welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Okay, we'll get straight into it. Uh, the title for today's preach is The Greatest of These. That's, that's the title for today. Um, and point one, straight up, is when Jesus says, build my church, then he says, but you do it. He's like, you know, so he's going to build the church, but he wants us to, there's this kind of, is that a contradiction? I'll build my church, but you do it. Uh, but I thought since it's love, uh, hope, faith season, faith, love, hope season, it gives me the opportunity to delve into why do we even church? Why do we even church? Yeah. I had a wonderful conversation with Mr. TJ. He comes to this church. Everyone loves TJ. He's painting our house currently, which is awesome. So I love him a little bit more than I did the week before. If you need a good painter and plasterer, hit him up. He's very good, actually. He's very good. Anyway, we're having this chat, and I said, oh, I'm preaching. He's like, yeah, great. And I said, to be honest, I don't think I would actually ever go to church if it wasn't for my relationship with God. And TJ's like, oh, no, I'd never go to church. What a terrible idea. <laughs> like, yes, for sure. There are just so many better things to do on a Sunday morning than go to church. <laughs> People are clapping. They're like, yes! <laughs> uh, besides just sleeping in, there's actually a ton of things you can do on a Sunday morning. But there's actually something very wholesome and healthy about coming to church. There's something that draws us to this facility. And obviously, um, it's to honor God, which is great, but there's more to it than that. It's much bigger than just that. Uh, and, you know, so the whole sleeping in thing, it's very attractive. I do like to sleep in. It happens really rarely, like super rarely. Uh, even yesterday, uh, the wife and I were talking Friday night because uh, I've been getting up at like ridiculous times in the morning to get to work. And we were like, yes, Saturday morning, we finally get to sleep in, yay! And we both woke up at 5.30, just out of habit. And we're laying there, and we're like, guess we should get up and get coffee. <laughs> it was actually really disappointing. <sighs> so why do we come to church? Especially, and I don't want you to put your hands up, but I do know for a fact that at least one or two couples here and family members, you fought the whole way here either with each other or with your kids. So if that's what sometimes our experience is, the whole, do we really have to get up? Do I really have to get the kids sorted? Does that mean that this that we do here on a Sunday, is it fake? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I do know, like I said, you're on your way here and you're screaming at the kids, and then as soon as you guys walk through the front door, you're smiling. Bless you, John. Bless you, family. <laughs> Even though you've just been strangling each other. But I don't think it's fake. In fact, I think this is real. More real than just about anything. And I think the struggle is real, but it's still something beautiful about being in the house of God. And why? Uh, 
Some people come to church just so they can give their kids to children's church. That was not my experience. So I don't know if they still do it here, but every Sunday, if your child needs help or if there's something happening, they will put your number up on the screen. It's okay, guys. It's an anonymous number. They don't know who it is. Unless your child and their number comes up every single week, like our child did, eventually people get to know. And your number comes up and all the parents are like, what? And it's, it's okay, it's just the Eaton boy again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did not put that on the notes. It was Mitchell, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so you know, you've got clubs, you've got sports, you've got a whole stack of things you could be doing on Sunday, but there really isn't anything like church. And my experience, because I work, you know, with lots of different uh, demographics, my experience is people sometimes have a bad view of church. They will say, oh, the church, it's full of pedos. I heard that just this week, or last week, yeah. I'm like, really? It's probably have as, or has as many as any other event place. <laughs> well, you know, but let's be honest. They, they reckon you should still protect your children even at church, guys. Yeah. Uh, the church just wants your money. That was a very good tithes message, my love. It's like, yeah, just as much as every other event place. <laughs> But is that the reason to blame God? Like, for example, if I can't play Beethoven on the piano, and I can't, is that Beethoven's fault? Yes. <laughs> gravity. We should just hate on gravity. You know, because of gravity, planes fall out of the sky and people die. It, the reason why this made it to my notes is just because last week, a, um, a very professional, skilled climber literally fell, hundred, fell hundreds of meters to his death. He was one of these, um, you know, like, no ropes, talented climbers, yeah. Uh, but he fell, and I thought, that's gravity's fault. So we can spend our entire week focusing on how evil gravity is, or realize that actually gravity is incredibly good. It keeps the entire universe together. It keeps everything on this planet together. And actually, gravity is necessary for the Earth to cleanse itself. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, it's because of the way tide affects tides and so forth. So we can always focus on the bad, or we can see what the whole picture is. And that's what church is like. Of course we can focus on the bad. Uh, but gravity is actually Awesome. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the world. But what do you use salt on? Toast. Toast? <laughs> this is why his name came up a lot. <laughs> no, it goes on dead meat. Technically, that's what you do. You put salt on dead meat. What's this world? Well, without Jesus, it's dead meat. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. 
We need the salt to bring flavor and seasoning to dead meat. We need the church. We need the body of Christ. Last week was Mother's Day. Oh, that was a good service. Last week was Mother's Day, and one of the questions was about the role of church in the context of mothers, and I loved the answer. I really did. Uh, because the church quite often acts as mother. In fact, I heard um, years ago this gentleman, he was explaining his testimony, and he was saying he was an orphan. And he found his father in God and his mother in the church, as in the outworking of it. And I've never, never forgotten that, actually, because this is my bad. But for years, you can ask the wife if this is true. She'll tell you it is. Um, for years, the thing, the thing I really didn't like about church was how effeminate it was. <laughs> it used to drive me crazy. I would, I would be thinking, why would any guy in his right mind want to walk to the church? They don't serve beer. There's no, like, motorbikes or cars, no boxing, nothing. Well, in fact, everything a guy likes, he has to stop at the front door for just to come in. But I was really wrong. <laughs> Not because I... I don't think it still isn't, but because I believe that God manifests and demonstrates his characteristics through both. He's just like, I am the father heart of God, but also here is, my, remember God says, in my image, in God's image, he made male and female. It's both. You were saying that last week, Rachel. I thought, yeah. So he expresses both a feminine masculine side to the world. I really like this. Um, ever heard the term El Shaddai? I think we sing it occasionally, El Shaddai, yeah. Um, if you look up Strong's Concordance and every other English white guy who's never asked a Jew in their life what it means, my bad, uh, they will tell you it has to do with power. But interestingly, the word Shad means breast. El Shaddai is, a, is way more related to breast than it is to power. Yeah. Why? Because it's nurturing, it's nourishing, it's comfort. How does he do that? And he does that through his church. We just saw all of that on the media. You know, red frogs, you've got she rescue, just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Nurturing, nourishing, providing comfort. If that isn't the heart of God, which it is. So the church is the outworking of the nature of God. It isn't always about the masculinity warfare of God. That's there, but it's also about caring. Um, so when we come to church, because... This is great that we're here. We give up our morning. We give up sleeping in. We face the battles of getting here to be part of something great. Which brings me to point two. Point two is called The Greatest is Love. Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, Paul says... And now, abide faith, hope, 
love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. Why isn't the greatest faith? Interesting. I questioned this for years because I thought, you know, being in a Pentecostal upbringing, wasn't it faith? Isn't everything about faith? Surely faith is the most important thing. And Paul's like, no, no, the greatest of these is love. And there's a reason for that. Um, I have a Hebrew word for love up on the screen. Yeah, there it is. Ahava. All right. Ahava is how Hebrew says love. But I want to show you the word give straight after it. Got the next one? Ahav. Oh no. You've got ahava, which is love, and ahav, which is give. Because from the Hebrew mindset, you cannot have love unless you have give. They're so related to each other. They're intimately related to each other. They're derivatives of each other. When you think about it, God gives grace through faith, but he gives grace. I've heard so many times, and this doctrine needs to go out the window because it's just simply not true, um, where people say, oh, it's by faith alone. There is not one single verse in the Bible that says that. In fact, if you ever do a commentary search, punch in faith alone, there's only one passage that comes up, and it's in James, where James says, it is not by faith alone. I'm like, read the Bible, people. But you know what is given? Grace. It is grace given through faith. Yes. But there's multiple things that are given through faith. Healing is given through faith. Blessings, prosperity are given through faith. But God chose to give grace as well. Because giving is related to love. And God loves so much that he gives. He gives his son, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That one sentence just epitomizes what God is. When people say to me, oh, God is love, I think, oh, yeah, God is giving. Because it's the same word. Salvation. Oh, Jesus, you know, God gave Jesus, God gives faith. Oh, God, thankfully, God also gives faith. Isn't that weird, hey? So God gives grace through faith, but in Romans 12, 3, it says God gives faith because without him, we cannot do anything. Remember, Jesus said that. He said, without me, you can do nothing. It's like, hey, that's pretty prideful. No, no, he's God of the entire universe. He can say that. (laughs) So salvation and love are actually directly related to giving. Um, And we should do the exact same. Musicians, if you'd like to come up, that'd be awesome. Matthew 5 verse 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what does that have to do with love and giving? And I want to show you. All right? Because when we read this just in English, and sometimes even just in the Greek as well, it looks like the verse says, Blessed are those who are just poor. (laughs) But it doesn't say that. It's an idiom, okay? It's a philosophy. Let me explain. It says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word poor there is tokos. Sounds like tacos, which I like, but it's tokos, <laughs> right? Um, and it does. It means someone who's a beggar. It's someone who's really poor. So if you look at this just in the Greek, it's okay to come to that conclusion, and it's not entirely wrong. It is just a thought. But here's the interesting part about this verse. If you study out history, you would know that most scholars believe that Jesus spoke Aramaic Hebrew. So he knew biblical Hebrew, of course. He probably spoke Greek, probably spoke some Latin. But a lot of scholars believe that he spoke Aramaic Hebrew, which is just a different version of Hebrew. Uh, Have you ever seen The Passion? Yeah, The Passion of Christ? Yeah, the movie? Yeah, that whole movie is in Aramaic Hebrew. Yeah, because uh, Mel Gibson was pretty sure, and a lot of scholars are, that Jesus spoke Aramaic Hebrew as a normal language. So when you read this verse in Aramaic Hebrew, my gosh, it really blows it out of the water. Because blessed are the poor in spirit is an Aramaic Hebrew philosophy. The Aramaic for poor there is miskina, right? And the, the word for poor there is brew. It's like, miskina brew, right? It's the easiest way to remember. <laughs> anyway, so miskina though, it's a philosophy where you voluntarily give up something to get something better in return. That's what miskina means. It means to lose something, to become poorer in one respect so that you can become richer in another. It's not just about being poor. It's about principles and what's, what do I think is better? So I give up something, I become poorer for a reason. All right? Um, a, a good example is actually children. Now, uh, last week we were talking about children and how expensive they are. I think Colleen mentioned that you're still broke because of nappies. Thousands and thousands of nappies. Yeah. So parents understand this concept when it concerns how expensive children are. Uh, the parents are willing to become prof- are willing to be poorer because they know that the joy of having children is more excellent. Yeah. Uh, if your child ever asks you, and I've had my children ask me over the years, if they ask you, Dad, why why aren't we rich? You just simply get down on your knee, (laughs) hold their hand and say, you, literally you. Maybe don't do that. (laughs) But I want to. But the joy of having children doesn't even compare. In Eastern culture, children actually provide for their retired parents and they're willing to make themselves poorer for the sake of their parents' well-being. That's what that word also means, miskina. Um, in our culture, where parents generally have like an aged care facility or they have a good um, social structure, uh, children are still prepared to lose time. They become time poor so they can go visit their parents. 
All right? So it's about what are you prepared to give up for something that's more rich? And when have you put that word together, miskina brew? It means what are you willing to give up to get a spiritual return? What are you prepared to make poorer in your life so that you can experience the richness of God? It gets better. It actually gets his better. So that verse where it says, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Great. That means what are you prepared to lose to gain more spiritual excellence? Uh, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That term there, kingdom of heaven, is another Aramaic idiom. And it means this. Secrets of God. It's not just what am I prepared to give up so that I can know God more, which is great, but it's, it's giving up something because you want to know the depths of God. People ask me, oh, what about uh, fasting? What's the purpose of fasting? Well, what are you prepared to give up because you want to know the secrets of God? To know Him personally, to know His ways. Um, are you willing to hand over material things and to understand that they are of no value to you compared to spiritual desires? Other examples might be simply like losing sleep to come to church. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be super dramatic. It's just like, what are, you, what are you losing? What are you losing because you think, yeah, I want to know God. Coming to church. And yeah, it's going to be a battle with the kids. And that, sure, they're going to have their name, or their name, their secret number that no one knows <sighs> put up on the screen. <laughs> Praise God. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Yeah. So I want to reread that verse, okay, but from an Aramaic Hebrew idiom, and then, then we'll close. But it says this, Blessed are those who hunger more for spiritual things than material things. They are even prepared to make themselves poorer for it, for they will know the secrets of God. And it's just like best friends. You know, when you've got your best friend and you tell each other secrets that you're not going to tell anybody else. And sure, you've left other people maybe because you want a one-on-one closer, so you've lost other relationships. But you know that this relationship, this is where the secrets are. This is where the secrets are. Let's pray. Dear God, beautiful Jesus, you said that Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given over to you as well. And it's just like, well, Lord, that includes your secrets. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the secrets of God. Seek first the secrets of God and all these things will be added unto you. If you